I'm so glad you've chosen to be here today. I mean, honestly, you could be doing a lot of things right now. Like sleeping, eating, sprechen sie nicht. Snow, I hate snow. You could be at home shoveling your grass for all you, you know. I mean, you could be doing all kinds of, rearranging your sock drawer. I mean, you could be doing a lot of things today. You could be laying in bed depressed because KU lost yesterday. Um, for all those who are screaming, cheering that, slice their tires, okay? You know how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Hey, but baseball season's coming, right? And in, and, and for all KU fans, of which I'm one, in true Chicago Cubs spirit, there's always next year. And today seems a little more like Christmas than Easter. I'm not sure the kids are singing the song, I'm dreaming of a white Easter. I'm not. (laughs) But I'm glad you're here. Resurrection, Easter, is all about life springing up. From death. When things seem like there is no hope, there's hope. I want to encourage you that there is hope. Hope is found in the possibility of resurrection. For Christians, Easter's a really big deal. Easter's the thing that brings hope for the Christian. It's not the candy. It's not the Easter bunny, and it's not the cool flowers, which, by the way, made a great picture this morning. When you see the tulips, they're snow-covered. Sort of like the picture on the screen, right? If you see the rose in the midst of the desert, something's crazy. Something different's going on. If you're new, Easter's a big deal to us. At the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Christ as your Savior. Easter's the best time to do that. We actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead for real. I mean, we were saying this stuff, and they're just not cool songs. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead for real. It's not a Dr. Seuss book. It's not J.K. Rowling. It is not an Agatha Christie novel. And it's not even Shakespeare. We believe, as followers of Jesus, he really rose from the dead. And if we don't, we're wasting our time. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead because Matthew, a tax collector, wrote about it. We believe because Mark, a first century Greek, wrote about it. Luke, a doctor, interviewed people in the first century, and he wrote about it. Eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection, and he wrote about it. John, who was the first person to the tomb, when he heard it was empty, wrote about it. 
See, John was, a, was there. John, John experienced it. John, John saw the miracles. John saw Jesus on a cross dying. He saw him breathe his last breath. And he heard Jesus tell him, you take care of my mom. And he's there. And three days later, he sees a risen Jesus. That'll make a difference. Peter, a fisherman, one of Jesus' followers, believed Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, he gave his life for what he saw. He gave his life because of what he saw. He believed in Jesus. And when he saw a resurrected Jesus, he realized that no longer could, could anybody else be king. Jesus is king. Not Nero, not Caesar. Jesus is king. And then there's James. James is a great story. James, the brother of Jesus. I mean, he, he's, he's an interesting guy because James doesn't show up in the story of Jesus until after the resurrection. In other words, when Jesus is living his life on the planet and he's doing miracles and running around claiming that he's the son of God, stuff like that, James is like, uh-uh, I don't think so. You know, I grew up with him. He's my brother. He's just Jesus. He's my older brother. I mean, he's good and all. But the Son of God, I mean, come on, seriously. But after the resurrection, he changes. Later on in the book of Acts, recording what took place in the first century church, we discover that James becomes a follower of Jesus and he becomes one of the leaders of the church. James believed that Jesus rose from the dead. And then there's Paul. Paul, who wrote almost half the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, a friend of all these people. He was persecuting the followers of Jesus, rounding them up, putting them in jail, and allowing them to be put to death. He experiences Jesus on a crazy trip, and then goes to Jerusalem and hangs out with these guys, and comes to the conclusion that Jesus really died for our sins, and he rose from the dead. We believe Jesus rose from the dead because we've got eyewitnesses. First century accounts of men who saw it. They believed because of what they saw. And most of these men gave their lives and didn't get a nickel of royalty from the Bible. They gave their lives for what they saw. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you believe in the resurrection, you've got good reason to. If you're a Jesus follower and you're not sure about the resurrection, then I'm glad you're here. Because you need to understand that this is really for you. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus is what seals the deal. If you're a person here because it's Easter and you're just here because somebody... In, Invited you or so you can tell somebody you were here. I'm glad you're here. I hope you wrestle with one deal about theology for the rest of your life. When it comes to your thinking about the Christian faith. And that's the resurrection. The, the resurrection is a thing that matters the most. Look. 
Jesus gets a lot of play in our culture. People talk about Jesus. They, they like to quote Jesus at the right time. See, non-Christians like to quote Jesus to Christians in order to get us to do the things that we ought to be doing. Right? I mean, they like quoting the Bible in this way. Right? People love the most quoted verse of Scripture in culture today. Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Most quoted verse of Scripture. We like the fact that Jesus fed the poor. That he loved justice and mercy and grace. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's so much to like about Jesus. There's so much to, to love about his teaching. But the problem is we can't separate the teaching of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus. We can't just take the Jesus' teaching, oh man, what a great guy. He he, you know, he taught all this great stuff. I mean, he's just an amazing teacher. But not take the resurrection of Jesus seriously. We actually have to believe in the resurrection if we're a follower of Jesus. And if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you probably shouldn't listen to anything that he wrote or said. Because the resurrection matters. And it's natural trying to want to divide that up. Our culture wants to do it because if we actually acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus and what it means, it demands a response. The resurrection of Jesus demands life change. We want to resurrect Jesus' teaching in our culture and leave his body in the grave. We, we like to say, well, heaven, we, we want to talk about heaven. Heaven's great. When you're going through a time of loss, when, when there's a funeral, we don't, we don't want to talk about there's nothing happening here. I mean, everybody believes in heaven when it comes time to die in. The problem is, it only matters. It only counts if the resurrection of Jesus is real. The generosity, selflessness of Jesus is just incredible. And it lives on. But the idea of a physical resurrection of Jesus and the change that it demands is tough for our culture to handle. It may in fact be hard for some in the room to handle. It may be hard for us to to come to a conclusion that Jesus really lived on this planet, died on a cross, and rose again on a third day. Because if that happened, everything must change. Everything has to change for us. In fact, Jesus did all of that because he wants to bring life In the midst of death. He wants to bring life in the midst of struggle. He wants to bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. So I want you to understand the resurrection of God. Because essentially, here's what happens in our culture. Our our culture wants Christians, and our culture wants other people to believe this. And some of you might be here. You want us to believe that the first century, there was a group of people who so appreciated the person of Jesus, so so loved his teaching. We're like, oh my goodness, we can't let that stop. We need to keep his teachings going forever because, man, that's good stuff. But in order for that to happen, we're going to have to come up with some really good story. Because I mean, this is not a good story. It's not going to live on. So we're going to have to come up with this really big lie to get everybody to think that Jesus was something special. 
And so they, 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 the culture wants us to believe that the resurrection is a lie. They want us to believe that it was all made up by guys who gave their lives. So that we'll hang on to the truth of Jesus' teaching. But not the power of his death and his resurrection. And that's it's impossible. We can't do that. Because if, if Jesus' resurrection is not real, well, we should just give up. If there's no resurrection, we should just bail out on all things Christian. We're wasting our time. You're good for nothing. You're generous for nothing. Everything we believe about heaven Garbage. Prayers, waste of time. Every time you end a prayer in Jesus' name, just change it. Substitute out something else. If there's no resurrection, none of that matters. But with the resurrection, it all matters. I know that's sort of harsh, right? That's exactly what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He, he pens that out in A.D. 55, 20-some years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Paul writes a letter to a church in Corinth, and he, and he writes this letter to a church far away from Jerusalem that he planted. He went there and started the church. He, he writes this letter to them, and they were struggling with this issue. They're struggling with this whole concept of a real resurrection. Now, their struggle essentially was a struggle with the resurrection of themselves. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. There's no way that people die and are going to be resurrected. It's not going to happen. See, that's what they were saying. They were saying those kinds of things. Well, Paul writes this letter. It's one of four, that only two that we still have. But, but Paul writes this letter, and he addresses this issue. They wanted to say there was no resurrection. And Paul tells him, if there's no resurrection, then let's pack it up. Let's be done. There were people in Corinth, as there is today, who say, well, let's be Christians. Let's not believe in a physical resurrection. Let's not believe that, you know, Jesus is the only way. I mean, that, that's a little offensive in our culture today. But, but I mean, you know, let's just soften a little bit. We, we can tone it down. I mean, there's parts of, of Jesus' teaching that all of us like to tone down, right? I mean, you know, when we talk about things like, you know, everybody should take up the cross and follow him. If they really want to be his disciples, you know, you're like, uh, you really mean that? He, he actually does. <laughs> he actually means that. Let me ask you a question, a simple question. I'm not going to ask you any deep theological question. Here's the question. How long is a decade? No tricks. How long is two decades? We're, we're doing good. Three? Hey, you guys are impressive. Let me ask you a question. What happened on March 30th, 1991, outside of a Hilton Hotel in Washington, D.C.? Somebody said it. Reagan got shot. 
Anybody know the name? The guy who did it? John Hinckley Jr. 91. What's that? 81? What do I know? I wasn't there. <laughs> Just testing you. You know, here's the fun part about that. How do you know? How do you know what happened? Who was there? Were there people there? There were people there. Years later, if you ask Jim Brady, he was there. He would remember. But yet it's funny. One of the complaints about the Bible is that how are these people, I mean, the Bible is written so many years after those things happened. Now let me ask you a question. If somebody who saw resurrected Jesus, do you think they forgot that 20 years later, 30 years later? I mean, if you're in the room and you're in your 40s, I mean, you can remember back 20 years ago. If you're in your 50s, I bet you can still remember back to your 20s. If you're in your 60s or 70s, guess what? There's probably some things that you're still remembering. There's some pretty important things that have taken place in your life that you remember. Look, I know my daughter's only 13. But she remembers at two years old, I guess. Is that ballpark? Again, I was there and I still remember. But Janae will never forget being in a fireworks tent at two years old and experiencing a microburst, snapping a pole and thinking she was going to die. My wife will never forget that. Never forget it. In fact, Janae, just ask her how the weather is. She'll tell you. She keeps very close tabs on the weather during this season of the year because she had an experience that she will never forget. That's exactly what the writers of the New Testament, and the writers of the accounts of the Gospels were writing. They were writing because they were eyewitnesses. They were there. They saw it. They experienced it. They could remember the smells. They could, they could remember the feeling. They could remember the pain. There was every bit of that that they understood. They were not making up a lie. They were writing as eyewitnesses experiencing the resurrection of Jesus. You can't separate the truths and the teachings of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus. It isn't going to work. Here's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 14, it says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is is useless. Now, who does Paul mean when he's talking about our preaching? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, James, all of them. He was talking about all of them. The Corinthians were suggesting that they could believe in Jesus and heaven. And all of that without having to believe in a bodily resurrection. 
And Paul saying, no, it's no good. No, if, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and our faith is useless, which means good for nothing. Useless. Verse 15 goes on and says, And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. Paul goes a step further and says, If if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then I'm a liar. And basically all the people that are trying to keep Jesus' teaching alive, they, they lied too. Because everything that he has done, everything that he built, the things that he had done on, all the writing he had done, the churches he had planted, the risks that he had taken, have been based on the resurrection of Jesus. They were not based on the teaching of Jesus. They were based on the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the teaching of Jesus is tied to the resurrection, but without the resurrection, there is no worth in the teaching. It's all useless. But Paul's saying, there has been a resurrection. Our message, their message, has not been about the teaching of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus. That was the central thing they talked about. The central thing they talked about, they, they would tell the story of who Jesus was, and they would tell all that had happened, and would say, and then, and then, have you not heard about what happened? The resurrection of Jesus. He was in the grave, and we thought it was all over, but... but the resurrection happened. He, he came to life and we saw him. We walked and we talked to him. It goes on in verse 17. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. But your faith is good for nothing. Nothing happens in response to our believing. It's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And if Christ has not been raised, you know what it means? It means you're still in your sin. It means there is no hope for you. There's no hope for me. If there's no resurrection. Now I'm forgiven. God forgives. But we read that in the Bible. Jesus died for me. Yeah, but you heard that in the Bible. God's love. Yeah, yeah, you heard that in the Bible. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, it's all useless and meaningless. Verse 18 goes on. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. I don't know about any of you, but I've had issues with these kinds of things. Okay? I went through like a period of about five years where I couldn't find my keys. Like perpetually. They were lost like all the time. I'm like, oh, where are my keys? See, if you know where they are, they're not lost. If you don't know where they are, they are lost. And you're going to search for them. And you're going to try and find them. And basically what Paul's saying here is, if there's no resurrection, all who died believing in Christ are lost. Which means we don't know where they are. We're not sure what's going on. Paul's telling that to the Corinthian church. He's telling it to us. Verse 19. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Paul, Paul, Paul's not like mincing words here. I mean, he, he tells it like it is. 
if our hope in Christ is only for this life, that's no good. If the only thing we get out of following Christ is what we get in this life, we've wasted it. I know for Americans it's not so bad. I mean, we get, we get it pretty good. But, but think about the people that have experienced persecution. Think of the people around the world who can't get jobs because they're followers of Jesus. Think about those who give sacrificially. Think about those who, who get cut off from their family because they become a follower of Christ. Paul's saying it's all a waste. Why sacrifice for something that's useless? Paul is pushing them harder because he believed every one of them would be resurrected because of Jesus' resurrection. If the only thing we're going to get is this life, that stinks. That's why we'd hang on really tight if that's all there is. But as a follower of Jesus who believes in the resurrection, then it all changes. You see, Paul says later in this chapter, verse 32, he says, And if there's no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's just the end of the verse. And there are people who live that way. There's people who live that way in our culture all over the place. But there are Christians that live that way too. Because the resurrection of Jesus has an impact in the way it ought to. There's Christians that are way more interested in their own comfort and stuff than they are about living for Christ. But Paul writes in verse 20, he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. But in fact, Christ has been raised. Paul says, as a matter of fact, he's been raised. And if Christ has been raised from the dead, everything changes. Everything hinges on Christ being raised from the dead for the Christian. There is only one way to live, and that's to live a life with eternity in view. I realize that all KU fans felt like the world had ended last night. I just shut my television a word for 15 minutes and threw down a remote. I didn't throw down a remote, but I didn't say anything for 15 minutes. I just sat there. It was ugly. Ugly. But when you think about it, it really doesn't matter. I was going to say the sun came up the next day, but I'm not sure it did. Because <laughs> when I drove here, I couldn't see the sun, okay? There was all snow and junk and ugh, hate the snow. <laughs> but Jesus rose from the dead. That changes everything. Everything of this life is temporary. Now, we're going to have some disappointments. We're going to have some moments. We're going to go through some difficult things. But the truth of the matter is, if Jesus rose from the dead, which he did, everything of this life is temporary. And Paul wrote about what was most important. Yes, 
guess at the time when Peggy was playing terrible and it looks like the refs and he paid by FIFA. Some of you won't get that, but um, they're corrupt soccer organization, just in case you care. Um, they bought the World Cup. and uh, So anyway, for those of you who got the FIFA reference, cool. The rest of you, sorry. I was just doing it for a few people in the room. <laughs> Paul writes about what is most important in 1 Corinthians 15.3. I passed on to you. Paul's writing this. And remember, when Paul's writing this, he's writing this to a church that he started that's going through struggle. And he says, look, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been also passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, and we talking about the scriptures, he saw an Old Testament, he saw the Old Testament scriptures, it's there, it's in there. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Paul's writing in 55 AD, Jesus died somewhere between 30 and 35, so it's 20, 25 years at most. And, and Paul's saying, look, if you want to talk to these people, they're still kicking. They're still alive. You can talk to them. You can interview them. You can hear their story. You can find out for yourself. If you want to know, it's there. The encouragement, if we're, if we're followers of Jesus, is this. Your hope is not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. Your sacrifice is not in vain. Your generosity, it's not in vain. Your service to others, it's not in vain. Your prayers, your funerals, you are not in vain. Following Jesus is not an exercise in futility. Following Jesus is the greatest journey this life affords us. And it's a journey that all of us could do and all of us can experience. And if we walk that journey, we'll see an eternity with our Savior in heaven. See, there is no heaven for those who don't know Jesus. There is no heaven for those who do not follow Jesus. Jesus is the linchpin. Jesus' resurrection is the linchpin. It's, It's the thing that it all hinges on. His resurrection. See, look, that's the thing. We've got to confront all of the people that we know with. It's not all the other stuff. The the piece that must be confronted is the resurrection of Jesus. It's his life and his death that everything hangs on with his resurrection sealing the deal. Look, it doesn't matter. A lot of other things. The issue, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the issue I want you to wrestle with is not how Christians have treated you. I don't want you even to worry about how church people have acted in the past. Not even what Jesus taught for a a large part. You'll get to that. I want you to consider what his followers claim he did. Rise from the dead. If he didn't, his followers are all liars, and they probably made up all the teaching too, so don't worry about it. But if Jesus rose from the dead, as they claimed he did, and as I believe happened, 
then everything must change for us. It demands a response. Jesus' resurrection, Easter, demands a response from all of us. Because when Jesus conquered death, he validated his message. If you're struggling with hope, today is the day for that to change. The resurrection is about life from death. As you begin to pursue Christ with everything you have, your life will change. It won't be perfect. Everything won't be smooth and easy. But your life will change. Look, if, if you think your life has been a desert, if you think your life looks a lot like that desert in the picture, Jesus wants to bring life in the midst of it. He wants your life to be the rose in the midst of the desert. He wants you to be life to those around you. He wants your life to look that good against that backdrop. That's what Jesus wants. And for some in the room today, your life has been the desert. And Jesus wants to bring you hope and life this morning. Because that's what he does. He brings life. Jesus rose from the dead so that all of our lives would be lived differently. We can't live for ourselves. We just can't go through the normal motions of American life. It's unacceptable to a risen Savior. He demands a life committed to Him. For everyone who is a follower of Jesus today, today is a day to once again to commit to living for your King. To surrender all of us to Him and trust Him with our lives. For anyone in the room who isn't a follower of Jesus, now is the time to recognize Jesus not only died for you, but he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead, and that demands a response from you as well. Your response is to commit your life to Christ today. It's a commitment to follow Jesus. This morning, I invite you to make that decision. I invite you to begin a new life with Jesus. He wants to bring you hope. Hope for today and hope for tomorrow. The way that happens is a decision to follow him. You make the decision and you start living out the steps that he wants you to take. This morning, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And for all of us, Christian, somebody is here because you were invited and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. I'm asking you, consider the resurrection of Jesus. There's good reason for it. There's good reason to believe. You got to, at some level, you got to accept by faith. But I'm telling you, there's some good reasons to accept it by faith. 
put your faith and trust in a risen Savior. That all of this isn't just going through motions. It's celebrating the Savior who died on a cross for my sin, for your sin, and sealed it with his resurrection. So this morning, there's going to be some people that are going to meet you at the front if you'd like prayer for any reason. If you're here this morning and you would like to respond and you just want to pray with somebody and you just want to say, I, I want to know this Jesus he was talking about. And there'll be some people at the front. Just come and talk to them. Just say, look, I, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus. Would you do that this morning? For every follower of Jesus in the room, I'm going to ask you to make this commitment. Live life with the resurrection in mind. Jesus' resurrection first, and you're a second. Because you will experience resurrection if you know Christ and you die before He comes back. You'll experience resurrection. Live life that in view.